Rugby KO, a podcast that pulls no punches. We deliver rugby insights from passionate enthusiasts from the grassroots to the global game. Players, punters, professionals and partners providing uncensored opinions on how the sport of rugby can thrive again. Welcome to Rugby KO with your host, Katrina Roxenham. Todd Kefu is a Tongan-born rugby player and now coach who earned 60 caps playing at number eight for the Australian national team and was in the winning 1999 World Cup side. He was arguably the best number eight Australia has seen. He was a head coach of Tongan national team in 2016, having previously coached them in a caretaker role in 2012. He's also the assistant coach for the first 15 at Brisbane Boys College coached the forwards for the Rugby World Cup in 2011, was appointed head coach of Queensland Country in the National Rugby Championships and then headed to Japan to coach the Kabota Spears. He's currently coaching at the World 10 Series in Bermuda and I talked to him about his illustrious playing career, his subsequent coaching world, his vision for the proposed Pacifica team in the Super Rugby competition, some Tongan and Polynesian cultural discussion and what the game continues to give him. Welcome to the Rugby KO podcast, Todd. It's great to chat to you today from the other side of the world. You are the most cap wallaby number eight of all time, playing 58 tests at number eight, and I think it's a total of around 60 caps. You played at the Reds from 96 to 2004 with over 100 appearances. Can you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like, playing for the Wallabies and also the Reds, and maybe with a little bit around winning the World Cup in 99? Yeah, I looked at nothing but great experiences. I was fortunate enough to be involved in a really successful era. So winning was um, quite common for us. And, we, you know, we won big trophies as well, but also Cup, World Cups, Tri-Nations, all that kind of stuff. So I've got nothing but fantastic memories. And, and I think looking back now, you compare that era to now and... I can see the total difference in terms of the demands of the players. I think I came through in a really good era where, you know, we could still enjoy ourselves a bit away from the game. And because of that, we got some fantastic memories. The highlights are the World Cup, the Bledisloe Cup, so those two things. The wins for Queensland over New South Wales were also highlights. So from that, a lot of special memories as well. So I look back with a lot of fond memories, have forged some really, really good, strong relationships with, with some ex-players that I, I still keep up with uh, every now and then. Even though family life uh, keeps me busy, it's always good to re- reconnect with those that you yeah, share those memories with. Mm. And at the end of your playing career, you moved to Japan. What was that experience like living in Japan and, and what sort of rugby following do they have over there? Since then to now, it's it's really grown. When we first went over there, we were quite, even though we did do a fair bit of homework on the place and my wife and I visited there a couple of times before we actually moved there. So we did some a fair bit of work in terms of study, where we're going to live, where the kids are going to go. We still weren't 100% prepared because it's just a crazy place, Japan. My wife probably struggled the first six months. We took three kids over, young kids, uh, and we had two kids there. Initially, my wife struggled a little bit, but 
the last probably the last five to eight years we spent a total of 12 years there so the last five to eight years there were absolutely fantastic and my kids who have great memories of the place always want to go back there and visit their special place in our hearts Japan like I said we forged some really good relationships with some players there and, and some local people so we have some great memories from that part of our lives. Mm. And so now you've entered the coaching world and I believe in 2011 the forwards coach at the Rugby World Cup and the Tonga head coach for a short time and you moved to Japan and were the uh, Kubota head coach from 2012 to 2016 during that time that you're talking about over there. You also coached at the Queensland Country and um, assistant coach at BBC or Brisbane Boys College, the first 15 up there in Brisbane. And you're currently in Bermuda coaching at the World 10 Series. So a strong sort of coaching background as well since you, you know, finished playing. What do you love about that coaching world? I think it keeps me reconnected with the game. And one of the biggest, as I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest things I loved about rugby is that camaraderie and that friendship and mateship, that brotherhood you have being around the team. So being a coach keeps you in that environment and it's a fantastic environment. If you get the culture and the environment right, you could do some fantastic things. So I've learned a few things in my playing career that I'm helping to pass down. You know, I've got all this information that you build up over your playing career and and things you also learn along the way. doesn't really mean you become a really good coach initially, but, you know, I'm, I'm learning every day. But, yeah, just being around the players and being around that team environment is probably the best thing about being a coach. And so you're coaching at the World 10s now. What's the difference with the 10s game versus, say, 7s or 15s? And do you think there's room for it in world rugby or in Australian rugby? I've got limited experience with the 10s, so, uh, which means I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, look, I think it's a bit of an experiment, this, this inaugural tournament, and, and they really want to take this tournament to a really high place. So I've played a few bit of 10s before. I've really enjoyed it. I've heard someone say, you know, it's in between the 15s and the 7s game, which is, which is absolutely true. There's more focus on probably the collision area and the set piece than the sevens, which is great. You know, it might bring those traditionalists, attract more of them to come and watch the game. I think it's a fantastic form of football. I really think it will take off. But, you know, for myself, being here is fantastic. It's a great opportunity. We're staying in a resort at the end of the island. We're blessed just to be here considering what's happened over the last six months. So... This has been a great opportunity for us to get out and, and, and play some rugby because a lot of players that are here now have been in lockdown and only been training in isolation, really. Mm, yeah. And so you were assistant coach as well at Brisbane Boys College and helped lead them, um, I believe, to a, a rare premiership. There's a well-documented series called The Season, which was fantastic. I had a quick look at it. Can you talk to us a little bit about schoolboy rugby and why do you think it still remains so strong and also that experience at BBC? I've really enjoyed my time at BBC. I've been there for five years now and looking back, we probably should have won a bit more. This first premiership for them was the first for the school standalone premiership for the school. They, I think they won the premiership. They shared it with four other teams, I think, way back in the 1950s. 
when they had to cut the, the season in half. So this is the first time they want to stand alone. And, and to be a part of the boys' journey, winning and, and winning for the school for the first time has been fantastic. It's taught me a lot of things about coaching kids. It's totally different to coaching adults, but I've enjoyed it. They've taught me a lot, and I think they've really enjoyed my coaching over the years. At the moment, I'm not too sure. I haven't made a decision whether I'll go back or not. It's good to leave on a winning note, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, retire at the top. Um, and <laughs> your brother, Steve, also worked with the squad. Apparently, as a saying in rugby circles, why well, have one kefu when you can have two? What was that like working with your brother then? Yeah, great. He's a very good coach, great communication skills. He has great manner with the kids. One of the most important skills you can have as a coach is just that communication and relationships with the players and he, he's really really good at that so we enjoyed it we, we had a lot of laughs I got angry at him a couple of times <laughs> uh, but um, it's been great coaching with him and hopefully you know we can coach together again in the new future. Mm. And you made some changes there to the culture in that first 15 side do you think there should be or maybe has been a change in the culture say in the Wallaby side over the years? It's hard for me to say, Katrina, I think, especially from looking outside in, I can only comment on, on my experience. The culture we had when I was going through was, was, was fantastic. We were all really close. Rod McQueen started those Wallaby camps. We would have a Wallaby base and our first base was up at Caloundra and that just pretty much brought the team together. The families were all getting to know each other. We knew the ins and outs of each person and on the field it brought us a lot closer together. So with the culture now, it's hard to say, but having a really good culture is really important for a team's success. Mm. So how would you, say, coach the scrum today, for example, for the Australian side? What does it need to dominate on the world stage, do you think? Well, I think you've got to have Daniel Tupo there, for starters. <laughs> <laughs> He's been absolutely fantastic and he's potentially world-class. I don't think Queensland Reds would have reached the final if it wasn't for um, Daniela Tupo. I think the set pieces um, has been looking okay. We're in a hard place. We're always playing the best team in the world, the New Zealanders and the South Africans. So we mark ourselves against the best. And, you know, we've got high standards ourselves. Look, I think the set piece at the moment They've got some new coaches in there. I think they'll develop into one of the best set-piece teams in the world. Mm. So there's been some discussion around a Pacifica team forming and perhaps basing in Western Sydney or even Northern Queensland for the next year's Super Rugby competition. What are your thoughts on forming an island team and, and what are the challenges, do you think, to getting that off the ground? Look, I think the biggest challenge is obviously the financial side of things, whether it's affordable and who's going to pay for it and whether it's sustainable. But if that wasn't an issue, I think this would be a great opportunity for Rugby Australia to do something different, do something a bit novelty. We've kind of seen what the Drua have done to the NRC in the last couple of years. I think the NRC was probably at the crossroads there a couple of years ago in terms of spectators, in terms of people watching it on, on Fox. 
when Drua were invited and they took their place, it gave the whole competition an injection of incitement and enthusiasm, you know. And I, I think with Super Rugby at the moment in Australia, we're, we're at a bit of a crossroads at the moment. It looks like the tournament next year is going to be just an Australian conference. So why not bring in a Barbarian Pacifica team? It would only add to the excitement of the competition, add a bit of flavour. Uh, we got a massive, massive Polynesian population in Australia. Have a look at the Australian team. I mean, that's one thing I noticed on the weekend uh, when they were lining up for the anthems. It was, I think there was three quarters, 75% of the team was Polynesian boys. So why not tap into to the rest of the Polynesian nations? There's plenty of Polynesian players out there. Being competitive, it won't be a problem. The issue will probably be too competitive. But the individual countries will probably use the team as a bit of a development vehicle. So you could control how good the team can perform. Say there's some Polynesian players from Fiji, Tonga and Samoa. How will they go all in the one team? You know, culturally, will they work well together? Has that ever been sort of done before? What are your thoughts around that? I spoke to someone about this not too long ago and everyone thinks there's that, you know, there could be cultural issues, but there, there actually isn't. Mm-hmm. The Samoan the Fijians and Tongans get along really well. Where culturally there's some massive similarities, you know, there's only small little finite differences. But um, we're all Pacific brothers and we all know that. Like any other team, there will be issues. It's going to be no different to us. So, yeah, it's a bit of a myth, that, Katrina. Yeah. So if you don't want to comment, that's fine. But at the time of Israel Flau conversations, you were open around your thoughts on what happened there and were quite measured about, you know, understanding where he was coming from. What are your thoughts now around how that all played out? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I said at the time I was fully supportive of Flau Israel because, I, you know, I, I definitely think that um, he's right to free speech. Whether you like it or not, you just, whether you don't like it, you just ignore him. Whether you, you know, he's got a platform as like everyone does on social media. I feel you can view your views on religion, on race, uh, on whatever. And I thought, my opinion was, I think there was, in, in terms of RA's reply to that, I think, they just could have handled that a lot better. I totally understand this is new ground for for RA and, and dealing with these these platforms and personal views, but I thought they could have handled it a lot, lot better. I mean, there could have been something more behind RA's decision because as you as you know, Qantas being the main sponsor of RA at the time and now is is not. So uh, I just thought RA could have handled it a lot better. Mm -hmm. So, Toda, your daughter is now playing rugby. What do you think about the girls' game and the growth around that part of of rugby in Australia? Yeah, I think the growth's been fantastic. And apart from if you go back to grassroots, you know, rugby's all about 
and we spoke and touched on this earlier, all about that brotherhood or sisterhood now and, and that camaraderie and that social aspect of the sport makes the sport so appealing and popular. My daughter loves it. She trains, she loves going to training. Three, so she trains three days a week. She loves going to training. I, I actually haven't seen much of her lately because I've been busy, but she loves playing. She's injured at the moment, but uh, my wife tells me I think she's really enjoying the social aspect of the game. She loves meeting up with her mates at training. They, they love having a beer after the game on the weekends. It's a great way. I've, I've always said to my kids, look, you know, as long as you give 100% effort to the game and respect the game, you can get so much out of it and friendship and camaraderie and all those life skills all come along with playing rugby. Mm. So if you were given the reins at Rugby Australia today in the position it's in at the moment, what do you think needs to be sort of done immediately? I think repair that relationship with grassroots because I think over the last decade or so we've kind of got away from grassroots and focused I suppose, at the the high performance and elite level of the game, I think their model was to look after that top part and hopefully success brings, it can filter down. Obviously, we know we weren't that successful, so it was flawed, that model. So now being a parent, being a coach, I see volunteers, parents alike every weekend. There are grassroots people that absolutely love the game. And they don't get paid. They do what our parents did and what their parents did. They're taxi drivers, they're psychologists, they're, they're, they're physios, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, I do. I, I love my club and my kids love footy. They absolutely love footy. You know, I think building that relationship between the elite level and grassroots just need to be... I think, repaired a little bit better and, and more concentration on that level of the rugby, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I look forward to what's next for you and your involvement in rugby. You're one of the best number eights of all time and have a lot to offer the game with your insights Thank and experience. You. you know, you're obviously giving back to the game through your coaching. So thanks for all your time. It's really been a pleasure to chat to you today and hopefully the tens tournament over there goes well and... Um, look forward to seeing you know your future contributions and rugby in this country at all levels of the game thanks katrina great to chat Tato. take care no problems thank you for joining us at rugby ko any comments or insights please send to katrina at rugbyko.com for show notes and more about all things rugby head to our website at www.rugbyko.com. We look forward to your company for our next episode of Rugby KO.